0: All right, so we're going to get ready to uh, go into the Word tonight, and I want to talk to you tonight about something that was that was on my mind, and that was, I want to talk to you about the blood covenant. So, you know, if you do a Bible study, I know that... Uh, those of you doing anything, activities, kids, or whatever, you're dismissed. So um, if you're doing a Bible study, you're going to find out from the very beginning that there is one requirement, and that is got to have blood. you got to have blood. And <clears throat> we've sang songs, there's power in the blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus. The blood will never lose its power. There is power, power, wonderworking power in the blood of the Lamb. So we all sing about the blood, the blood. Why the blood? So, what was a blood covenant? Okay? What was a blood covenant? We're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to the book of Genesis, chapter 15. And uh, <clears throat> first book in the Bible, the book of beginnings. Genesis, chapter 15, verses 9. Through twenty one, I'm going to read that whole thing in, in one setting, so you kind of get an overview. But and then we're going to go back and we're going to look into it a little bit more. But why did God choose blood? What was the reason for blood? So we're going to find that out tonight. So in the Old Testament, what was a blood covenant? All right, here we go. And he said unto them, or unto him. Now this is God talking to Abraham. He's talking to Abraham, and he said. Take me an an heifer, this is a good old old King James here, of three years old and a she-goat of three years old and a ram of three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Yes. And he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another, but the birds divided he not. Now, Abraham has just killed the heifer, the goat, what else was it? The lamb, the ram. He did. He just killed a, a heifer, a goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. So Abraham has killed all of these animals. Now that's going to get some people upset these days. And he divided them in the midst. He divided the heifer cut it in half. He cut the ram in half. He cut the goat in half, but he did not divide the birds. The birds were laying there on the ground whole. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. So they're laying on the ground, and the the birds are coming down to eat these dead carcasses, and Abram is driving the birds away. So... We go on here, and when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, an horror of great darkness fell upon him. So Abram went into a deep sleep. Okay? He went into a deep sleep here. Now, this is going to be significant here. Just just watch and keep following along. And he said unto Abram, this is the Lord, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them four hundred years. God is telling Abram in this vision, your descendants, whom you do not have yet, are going to be slaves for four hundred years. Well, we know that that took place in Egypt. So the Lord was telling him that. And also that nation... Whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward shall they come out with great substance. That's exactly what happened is Egypt was judged. Israel came out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. Now you're thinking, what? A smoking furnace and a burning lamp goes in between these pieces. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. The Kenites and the Kenziites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephiums. How do you like that? Those are all their neighbors. And the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites and all of the Parasites. See, there's Parasites again in your life and you got to watch because they want to be your neighbor. All right, so let's dive into this here. Let's look at this. Let's see what's going on. Let's talk about the blood covenant. This scene would look quite ominous to modern day observers. Five bloody animal carcasses on the ground. Three of them split in half with the halves separated a short distance from each other. So all these carcasses are laying on the ground. This is what the Lord told Abram to do. You know, sometimes the Lord tells you something that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to our natural minds sometimes when the Lord tells you something. But it may be the Lord needing you to do something in order to set something into motion. All right? Anybody ever set up dominoes? You know, miles and miles of dominoes. And then you go over to that first one. And you knock it over and then it just... And all the dominoes fall down. Has anybody ever been to the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago? All right, you've been there. What is your most favorite part of that whole museum? I know what mine is. Really, you don't have a favorite part. Okay. Mine is the layout in this large room of America with all the miniature trains going all over the country. And whatever industry in that area that they did, the trains were working the industry. Okay, that was my favorite part. Why? Because I like the detail of it. I like to watch all that work together. God was giving detail to Abram here. He said, I want you to divide the ram, the the goat, and the heifer in half. Keep the turtle dove and the pigeon whole. Set them on the ground. So God does this, or Abram does this, And then God lets a deep sleep fall on Abram. Now, Abram's time, it would have not been so menacing because the arrangement of divided animal carcasses that would have been instantly recognized as a setup for making a type of blood covenant. Today, when you buy a house, you have to sign and fill out an initial at least 20,000 pages. Or at least it seems like it. Even if you buy a car, if you you buy a car and it has a a loan on it, a lien, you have to put your initials on papers and you have to sign saying that you are guaranteeing that you're going to pay this car note off or this mortgage off. And back then, they didn't have all the paperwork and they didn't have printers like we have today, so they just laid a bunch of dead animals on the ground. And so they're setting up here for a blood covenant that was normal and actually uh, understood in that time frame. When God called Abram out of his hometown and away from all fam- things familiar, he gave Abraham some promises. Now listen, sometimes God has to get us away from the familiar in order for him to talk to us. Sometimes God has to get you away from the things that you're comfortable with so that he can show you some things that he may not be comfortable with in your life. Are you seeing what I'm saying? And so he calls God, or God calls him out, and the covenant of this kind of promise is a contract. It's a binding agreement between two parties. The 15th chapter of Genesis reiterates the covenant God made with Abraham at his calling. Except this time, God graciously reassures his promise with a visual of his presence. So God has already said, it's back in Genesis chapter 12, when God called Abram out of his home country. Genesis 12, God called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees. That's where he lived, land of Ur. Where do you live? I live in Ur. Uh huh. And then we found out later on there's some people who live in the land of Ono. You remember we were preaching years ago about Ono? You don't want to go to Ono. So he's in Ur the Chaldees. God says, I want you to go with me. Follow me. Let me take you where I want to take you. And I'm going to promise to do some great things for you. This time, God not only uh, um, reinforces that the promises are made, but gives him the visual effect that he says, I'm going to in contract with you. He asked Abraham to find and kill a heifer, a ram, a goat, a dove, and a pigeon. Then Abraham was to cut them in half except for the birds lay the pieces in two rows, leaving a path through the center. Okay, can you see it? You see them laying on the ground. In ancient Near Eastern Royal Land Grant Treaties, so this is a treaty that's for that time and that that area, this type of ritual was done to seal the promises made. So this was basically the blood contract that is going to seal the deal. Through this blood covenant, God was confirming three primary promises that he made to Abraham. God says this to him. He said, I'm going to give you the promise of heirs. I'm going to give you the promise of land. And I'm going to give you the promise of blessings. An heir, land, and blessings. Okay? God says, I'm going to give you this promise. So let's go and look at this in the scripture. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So God says, I'm going to make you a great nation, and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And then he says, if anybody curses you, I'm going to curse them. Amen. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Now, a blood covenant communicated a self-maledictory, which is a spoken curse oath. The parties involved would walk the path between the slaughtered animals to say this, as to say, may this be done to me if I do not keep the oath. So they walk through all of these dead animals laying on the ground in two rows. And they're saying, as they walk through here, in essence, if I don't keep my end of the bargain, let me be killed and cut in half. That's pretty strong. That's blood covenant. So God is telling Abraham, lay this out and do this. Jeremiah 34, 18. And I will give the men that have transgressed my covenant which have not performed the words of the covenant which they had made before me when they cut in half the calf in twain and passed between the parts thereof. However, there was an important difference. Now, watch this. Of In the blood oath that God made with Abraham in Genesis. Okay, verse 15 says this. When the evening came, God appeared in the form of a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch that passed between the pieces. Remember I told you keep that in mind? A flaming pot and a flaming torch. Now watch what happens. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and burning lamp that passed between those pieces. But Abraham had fallen into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness had came over him. In verse 12. Thus, this is what this means. God alone passed through the pieces of dead animals, and the covenant was sealed by God himself. Now, wait till you see the next scripture on this, all right? So, God alone. So, Abraham was supposed to walk through that. So, if Frankie and I are in this deal, and we're in this covenant, we're walking through it one at a time. He's walking through it, saying, if I don't keep my end of the deal... Make me like these dead animals. I walk through it and I say the same thing. If I don't keep my end of the deal, make me like these dead animals. All right? But Abraham didn't get a chance to go through there. Just God went through there. Nothing depended on Abraham. Everything depended on God who promised to be faithful in the covenant. Everything depended on God. Nothing on Abraham. So in that covenant, God is saying, I'm all sufficient. I'm all graceful. I'm all resourceful. I'm all you need. You don't have to walk through this, Abraham, and try to keep the promise of the oath. Because I'm going to do it by myself. Now wait, it gets better. So when God made this promise to Abraham, since there was no greater for him to swear by, God swore by himself. Hebrews chapter 6, 13 through 18. Abraham and his descendants could trust and count on and believe in everything that God promised. Because God said, I'll do it myself. Hebrews six thirteen. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Saying, surely... Blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Amen. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise... The immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible. Number one, it is impossible for God to lie. Look at your neighbor and say, God can't lie. Listen, okay, if, if I am here and I'm talking to Frank, I have the ability to lie because it's in my nature. But God does not have the ability to lie, period. So two things are immutable and irrefutable in God. It is impossible for him to lie, that we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Amen. The specific blood covenant is also known as you've heard this phrase before, the Abrahamic covenant. The blood involved in this covenant, as with any blood covenant, signifies the life which the blood comes from which the blood comes. Leviticus 17.11. Highlight this in your book, Kevin. Highlight it. Write it down in your Bible. Leviticus 17.11. For the life of the flesh is where? In the blood. The life is in the blood. That's why there has to be a sacrifice of blood. Let me go back. This isn't in the notes. This is extra that I'm not charging you for. Cain and Abel bring sacrifices to the Lord. We all know that, right? In the book of Genesis, God has acceptance and favor on Abel's sacrifice, but not on Cain's sacrifice. Correct? Cain brings the fruit of the ground. He may bring the best turnips, the best cabbage, the best leeks, the best cucumbers, the best tomatoes. He can bring all that. Abel brought a lamb. God accepted the lamb but rejected the fruits, the vegetables. Why? No blood. There had to be a blood sacrifice. Because if you remember when Adam and Eve sinned and fell, what was one of the things they knew that they were? They were naked. So God took animals, skins, had to kill an animal and put skins on Adam and Eve. To cover their nakedness. What is that? That's a shedding of blood. So then, Abel's sacrifice had the requirement that God was looking for from the very first sacrifice that was made in the garden. And that was blood. You see what I'm saying? So the blood had to be there. Why? Because for the life of the flesh is in the blood... Now, what else does God say? And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement. Mm-hmm, to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. It's the blood. Now, another thing that Abel or Cain had to deal with was this he was bringing fruits and vegetables from the ground. What did the ground have on it? a curse the ground was cursed the lord cursed the man the lord cursed the woman the lord cursed the serpent and the lord cursed the earth so Cain is bringing a sacrifice carries that carries a curse we cannot bring sacrifices that carry curses to the lord Oh, I could go deeper in this. We could go a lot deeper in this. So it is the life that is in the blood that makes the atonement. The Mosaic covenant, which also a blood covenant, was also a blood covenant, in that it required blood to be sprinkled on the tabernacle, the scroll, and all the people. Hebrews 9, 19 through 21. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. So why? I mean, we're here in 2021. Why? You know, we grew up singing songs, Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood, thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. Yeah. There is power, power, wonderworking power in the blood. Pat, you ain't never heard those songs, have you? Of the Lamb, there is power, power, wonderworking power in the precious blood. Of... We're saying about the blood. Some people in the world say, what, what, what's all this about blood? What is a church? Church is a slaughterhouse religion. Always talking about blood and sacrifices. That's what God set up. God has a system. God has a plan. God is everything is in order. God has God doesn't deviate from it. You know, if you feel sorry about things and, and you don't think that plan works, God's not going to change it for you. God is not going to get canceled cultured. Okay? God's not going to get canceled cultured. They sprinkle blood all over the tabernacle. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything should be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Hebrews nine twenty two. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. You've got to have the blood on your life. You've got to have the blood applied to your life. Amen. Is this all right? You learn anything? In the Mosaic covenant, the blood of animals served as a covering or an atonement. For the sins of the people. The animal's life was given in place of the sinner's life. In the Abrahamic covenant, God, in essence, was declaring he would give his life if he promised if, if his promises were broken. There could be no greater encouragement to believers since God is eternal and can no more break an oath than he can die. So God cannot die and the oath be broken. So, you're guaranteed. That's a pretty good situation to be in. Hebrews 9.23, It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Do you know that Jesus took his blood into the holy place of heaven? Do you know that he sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat in heaven? I've said this before. If you remember, do you remember when Jesus was resurrected? And we're coming up. This is one reason I wanted to kind of talk about blood is we're coming up on Easter. We're coming up on Passover. We're coming up when we celebrate not only the resurrection of our Lord, but the crucifixion. Everything in the Old Testament points to the cross forward to the cross. Everything in the New Testament points back to the cross. The cross is the focal point of the entire word of God. And so in the in the New Testament when Jesus was resurrected the first one who saw him was who? Mary. Mary Magdalene was the first one to see Jesus. And she went to touch him and what did he say? Don't touch me. Why not? Because he said, I've not yet ascended to, the, to my Father. Right? Okay. But then, a day or so later, when the disciples are locked in the room, all the doors are shut, all the windows are shut because they're scared to death. Because, listen, Jerusalem is upside down because a dead man's body is gone. The body of Jesus is gone, and the, and the Jews do not want anybody to say it was a resurrection. And the Romans don't know what happened because the Lord knocked them all out when he came down and rolled the stone away and put them all in a trance. Now You know what I'm saying? They all went to sleep, the stone rolled away, blah, 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 blah. Then the angels walked on in and said, hey, I'm Gabriel, who are you? You know what I'm saying? So the the Romans didn't want to know, they didn't know what was going on. The Jews, the high priests and all of them, they didn't want anybody to know that there was a resurrection because they didn't want anybody, any more gas put on this Jesus movement fire. And so the windows are shut, the doors are shut, the disciples are all in this room, and Jesus walks through the wall and shows up. He walks through the wall and shows up. And he walks over to one of the disciples whose name is Thomas. Thomas has an adjective in front of his name. Doubting Thomas. Okay? I know some doubting Thomases. Now, and he says to Thomas, because Thomas had said to the disciples, unless I can put my fingers into his wounds and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And Jesus walks in and says, Thomas, here's my hands, here's my side. So he's telling Thomas to touch him. But he told Mary not to touch him. Why? Because he was in the office of high priest. And when a high priest would go in once a year to offer up the atonement, on the day of atonement, to roll ahead the sins of the people one more year, He could not be touched by anybody during his oblation, during this time of his duty as as the high priest. And he's walking into the, the holies of holies. If he would have been touched by a man, the Lord would have killed him. So Jesus was in high priest mode when he saw Mary and said, don't touch me because I'm not yet ascended into the heavens In between that and seeing Thomas, he goes into the heavenlies and he sprinkles his blood on the mercy seat in heaven. And then his role as high priest is complete. And that's when he walks into the room and says, Thomas, touch my hands, touch my side. See how it all goes together? And all of that was all set up in the law of Moses and the Old Testament. In the tabernacle plan. You can find the salvation plan in the tabernacle plan. You can find repentance, baptism, and Holy Spirit all in the tabernacle. But we don't have time for that tonight because you you want to go home before, you know, you have to come back Friday. You want to come home shower and brush your teeth. I hope so. But let's go on. The lives of animals can never remove sin. The life of an animal is not a sufficient substitute for a human life, Hebrews 10.4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take sin away. It's not possible. The blood of bulls and goats was a temporary. Everybody say temporary. You all awake out there? You awake, Frank? You learning anything? Yes, praise the Lord. The blood of bulls and goats was a temporary appeasement until the final, ultimate blood covenant was made by Jesus Christ Himself, the God of God man hebrews 9 24 20 through 28 for christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands which are the figures of the true okay but into heaven itself you see i told you he went into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of god for our sins for nor yet that he should offer himself as the high priest entereth in That he should not offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Now. I heard that scripture the other day. And a lot of people use that to talk about people dying. Appointed to one man once to die and then come the judgment. That's not talking about us. That's talking about Jesus Christ. We're just taking it out of context, but it works. It'll be alright. We know what we know what they mean. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. If you're looking for him, you'll see him when he shows. Amen? The new covenant was in his blood. That's where it's at. It's in the blood. Everybody say, oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Luke 22, 20. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. The shadows became realities in Christ, who fulfilled all of the, the Old Testament blood covenants with his own blood. Christians can be confident that the gift of eternal life that God gives through Jesus Christ is the true... Uh-oh. I, I cut the line off there. It is the true. Let me tell you what it is. It is the true sacrifice for sins. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Everything in the Old Testament was pointing to the cross. Everything in the Old Testament is called a shadow or a type. Somebody said, well, why do you have to have the Old Testament? You ever heard anybody say that? You don't even need the Old Testament anymore. Get rid of the Old Testament. You have to have the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the schoolmaster to the New Testament. A schoolmaster. What is a schoolmaster? Well, back in biblical times, when the kids would go to school, there would be an adult who was from the school, a schoolmaster, who would go to the house and get all the children and take them to school, chauffeur them, chaperone them. Escort them to school. And then after school, the schoolmaster would all take all the kids home. The Old Testament is the same way. The Old Testament picks us up and carries us from the Old Testament into the New Testament. It's our schoolmaster into the promises of Christ, it's our schoolmaster into what the Lord wants to do in our lives. Galatians chapter 3. As for the Apostle, as the Apostle Paul explains this the covenant was established with Abraham and his seed. Okay? Not just Abraham, but Abraham's seed, or his descendants, which is singular. Paul interprets this as the singular person of Christ. Now, let's see what it says here. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Isn't the King James wonderful? The covenant is going to be confirmed through this man. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds, as of many... But as one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So Christ came from Abraham. You, you agree with that? Through the generations of time, Christ came through from Abraham. Abraham was the first Jew. Do you know what, want to know why people hate Jews? It's because they are God's chosen people. And the world hates God anything that has to do with God. I don't think that, you know, how you watch the movies about Jesus and he has a British accent. I don't think he did. All right? I really don't think Jesus had a British accent and I don't think he was white. I think he was kind of probably dark. Okay? And so, here you have Jesus who is the seed of Abraham. Abraham. And then it says, therefore, all who are in Christ are spiritual heirs of the promises made to Abraham. Now, we didn't go into this back in Genesis chapter 12. We didn't talk about this verse, but let me bring it to your attention. And that is, God said this. He said, your seed will be as he used two examples he said first of all your seed will be as the sands of the sea sure all right has anybody have any, ever tried to count the sand at the beach it is impossible and then he said not only the sands of the sea but also as the stars of the heavens same situation you can't count the stars in the heavens But one is on the earth and one is in the heavenlies. God is talking to Abraham here. He said, not only will you have natural seed on this earth, the Jewish people that we know today, but also you will have a spiritual seed, which is those who believe like you did. That's us. We are spiritual Jews. We are the seed of Abraham. We are heirs. Therefore, all who are in Christ are spiritual heirs of the promises made to Abraham. Galatians three twenty nine. And if you be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Every promise that the Lord gave Abraham is yours as well. Because you're in that family. He said, you'll be blessed. He said, you'll be a blessing to others. He said, he'll make a name for you. He said, if people curse you, he'll take care of that as well. We are Abraham's seed as well. That's pretty, that's pretty nice. Pretty nice. So to put it simply, a blood covenant is a promise. Made by God that he will choose a people for himself and bless them. So he's going to choose the people for himself and bless them. The covenant was originally for Abraham's physical descendants, but was later extended spiritually to all those who, like Abraham, believe God. According to Galatians chapter number 3, verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Are we of faith? Your faith. You believe in faith. You believe God can do anything. You believe He can move mountains. You're children of faith. God's promise of eternal blessing is given only on the promise on the on the basis of faith in the saving blood of Jesus Christ. Hebrews nine twelve. Neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. I like it back in Galatians when it says that the promises of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles. Walk in authority, brothers and sisters. Walk in blessing, brothers and sisters. That's what God's called you to do because you're Abraham's seed. Once and for all, Enter the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now, I don't have this scripture up here, and I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to believe it. I'm done. You want me to go a little longer, Frankie? Okay. you think it get mad. I'm sending them to you. Okay. Eternal redemption through his blood. In the Old Testament, this is how detailed God gets. This is how down to the minute detail God is. Okay? In the Old Testament, it's like this. The high priest goes in. He offers a sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. When he... Oh, and by the way, there is no rope tied to his ankle. Okay? I've heard a lot of preachers preach that, but we don't have Scripture for that. But we do know that around the garment, the robe of the priest, there is a bell and a pomegranate and a bell and a pomegranate. That when the priest would walk, they would hear the bell ring. Now, the bells represent the gifts of the Spirit, and the pomegranate represents the fruit of the Spirit. What you're hanging on the priestly garments of the high priest. And they're to make the sound and be there to let the, everybody know the people that is still alive. That's why you got to have a church that's alive. you got to have the gifts of the Spirit rolling in it. So anyhow, the priest goes in, offers a sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. When he comes out, the Bible says that he stands before the children of Israel. When he stands before the children of Israel, they have just seen the fire fall. They have just seen the glory of God descend on that little tabernacle made out of badger skins and coats and different linens. They have seen the fire fall and God accept the sacrifice and that rolled ahead their sins one more year till next year at atonement time. So he would come out and he would stand before the people and they would rejoice and worship. But Hebrews said, the book of Hebrews, says this, that when our high priest offered the sacrifice once and for all, that he sat down. You know what it is when you sit down? You're done. You sit down. You're done. When Jesus sat down, well, he's done once and for all. No more sacrifice for sins. Nobody has a sacrifice. Alex, if you go out through Beecher City and you see a heifer and a lamb a goat and what else was it a pigeon a turtle dove what was the last thing a heifer a, a lamb a goat a ram pigeon if you see that was out in the field of Beecher City you let them know that's not necessary you don't have to sacrifice guys You got to do that. It's done once and for all. It's done. He already fulfilled it. Christ fulfilled the law. But the blood covenant was, God said, I am going to have you set these all out according to the culture and custom of your day. And you know that when you walk through this, you're saying, if I don't take care care of my end of this oath, this agreement, this covenant, then I'm going to be just like these animals. But when God got ready to make the deal with Abraham, he let a deep sleep fall on Abraham. He said, I don't even need him. I don't even need him to tell me what he can do because I can take care of it all. And God just walked through the whole midst of it. The flaming pot. Smoking pot and the flaming whatever it was. Furnace. Amen. There you go. Blood covenants. Any questions? Fears, doubts, unbelief. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Everything that ha- happens in the Old Testament is fulfilled in the New Testament. Everything. Everything. Everything that's coming up the next couple of weeks as far as Passover and the traditions that were set back thousands, about 3,000 years ago in Egypt are still observed by Jewish families today. And we know this, that when the Passover lamb died in Egypt and his blood was put on the doorpost and the lintel and the death angel passed over when he saw the blood. When Jesus died, he died at what time of the day? Anybody know? Three o'clock in the afternoon, the ninth hour he died. That's the same time that the Passover lamb was killed in Egypt.